Welcome back to Whose Health Is It Anyway? with me, Elizabeth Mills. In this episode, I finish up my series on alopecia. I spoke with Leslie. She also requested to stay anonymous, but I appreciate her being so open and sharing her story so bravely. Leslie really wanted to tell her story in hopes that she could possibly help someone else in their journey. If you or someone you know is struggling with an alopecia diagnosis, I highly recommend finding a support group in your area, doing some therapy, and above all else, never stop pushing for answers. You deserve to know the whys of your own health. Never stop advocating for yourself. You got this. As always, thank you for your love and support. Till we meet again. Leslie, thank you so much for talking with me today. We also met on like one of my last guests. We met on uh, the um, uh, the CANF the uh, Facebook page. Um, so it's so anyone that doesn't know, again, it's a support page for Canadians living with um, alopecia. And uh, we kind of talked already because I, you know, we we didn't know each other prior to this, so I kind of wanted to have a little bit of a conversation before we jumped right into a podcast. Um, and we kind of talked about things, but I'll just I'll just let you kind of sum up um, about your alopecia story um, and kind of what age it started for you. Um, yeah, and just kind of a little little bit of your story, like how it how it came about for you. Sure. Uh, I first started to lose my hair when I was about 23 years old, when I uh, was in university. And um, of course, it was very difficult. I remember um, skipping classes and um, wearing hats and, and actually uh, probably not attending very many classes and failing <laughs> one mm. or two courses in the process. Mm-hmm. But um that hair did grow back. And uh, uh, at the time, I did go see a dermatologist who I had known for a long time, because I'd had eczema as well as a child and some skin conditions. And I went to see him. And uh, he, he told me I was pulling my own hair out. And uh, he walked out of the room after about two minutes consultation, and I followed him. And I just asked him, you know, like, uh, it's not really true. That's not what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. And he really didn't have much to say. But especially at that time, that was, um, 1986. Mm -hmm. And, um, there wasn't a lot, there was nothing actually that they really did for us then. I remember going to to wig shops with a friend to try to find a nice wig. And there were none at that time. They were just, uh, probably more for middle-aged women, bouffant style wigs, Mm -hmm. the Welsh Mm -hmm. um, teased look. Mm -hmm. I really, I, I couldn't see myself doing that at 23. So I wore hats, berets, scarves, and other things to cover up. But mm-hmm. uh, I know that it was very embarrassing for me. And uh, I was very self-conscious. And I mostly just stayed home a lot. Mm-hmm. So my hair started to grow back within the next couple of years. And fortunately, I live in Edmonton, Alberta, where it's very cold. And I can wear toques and hats. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody really notices in the yeah. winter. <laughs> that's a, that's always a small little blessing I guess right <laughs> <laughs> so and it's proceeded like so you still like your current status now with your hair loss is it are you have you lost all your hair at this point I have so uh 
So for nine years, I had hair. Uh, my eyebrows had, didn't grow back. I always had my eyelashes. But nine years later, at 32 years of age, uh, at that time then, they did have some treatments. So I, I saw a different dermatologist this time who was very nice. And she put me on prednisone. I was going to get married that summer. So this was around the fall before that. And um, so I was on prednisone. And I, I stayed on it until I did get married. But I didn't want to stay on it knowing the harmful side effects of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I lost all of it and I lost my eyelashes and uh, that was very devastating. There's not mm-hmm. much, not much more I can say about that, but yeah. uh, it's uh, difficult. Yeah. And I, it is. And I've talked to other people about how um, it's very much seen as a cosmetic issue. Um, they like to say that there's a lot of support out there, but I really don't feel like there is. Um, Cause when I tried to look into getting, getting, you know, help. Um, it just seemed like they saw it as cosmetic, right? No one seems to be taking into consideration the mental toll that something like this takes on somebody. And it, it's, it's crazy to me, um, you know, especially with the, the real push with mental health these days, you know, um, we're still kind of in a box in terms of what, what would consider, what would be considered, you know, I guess a major mental health issue, but that's, subjective it's it's different to everybody right no matter what they're going through so I also ask people and we kind of touched on it a little bit is if they've ever felt um like the system kind of failed them in in some way and again I love nurses I love doctors I have a great team now but unfortunately some of our stories you know aren't so great and so yeah so it does it sounds like that dermatologist kind of let you down there yeah, it's interesting because he, he was a friend of my father's too. And he just, uh, he did let me down. Um, I went to another dermatologist nine years later when I, when, when I was starting to lose more hair again, and she was very good. In fact, I, I was very, I was very straightforward with her. Like, I like to, to ask physicians this, where I say, if I was your daughter, what would you tell her to do? And she she kind of stopped in her tracks and looked at me and said, I would tell her to go get a wig. And um, I thanked her for being honest because it's the truth. Mm -hmm. There was nothing at that time. And there's very little now truly to to Mm -hmm. help us. And partly because it's not a life-threatening disease. Mm -hmm. In some ways it it is a life altering condition Mm -hmm. that, seriously alters our lives and and the way that people uh, approach us mm-hmm. and look at us and see us and I, I think uh, in some ways it's almost a disability mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because you I, I think sometimes too whether it's our fault or not which in most cases it's not but you're seen as a victim I guess too you know, so it's like if people know you're in a wig or they see you with a headscarf and they know you don't have any hair, it's it's automatically kind of this like, oh, that poor person kind of vibe. Right. And when you're already mentally fragile and you get those kinds of looks, it doesn't help, you know, the the self-esteem very much when you're getting these like pitiful looks from people and you're like, oh, like, no, you know, I, it just doesn't make things any better. Right. With with that whole that whole thing. So would you say like, was it was it kind of consistently that kind of struggle medically like the whole way like like do you feel like anybody kind of said you know let's really look into this maybe it's something else maybe there's something else we can do 
you know, I have to be honest is that the last time I actually looked into something was in 2004, around then after my, my children were about five and eight years old, because I, I didn't really do want to try anything that may be, may affect me negatively because mm-hmm. I was still raising my kids and I, I didn't want anything, any health issues, because I know that it's not a life um, threatening disease mm-hmm. or condition. But um, I wanted something that uh, wouldn't hurt me in the long run, given right. that I have children. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did go see another dermatologist. And uh, yeah, they're very clinical, which is the way yeah. physicians are, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, that's just part of the way they're trained. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. they can't be emotionally attached to everybody they see. But right. um, he offered the injected, um, I forget it. I forget it's a steroid? Say. Yeah, it's probably a steroid. And mm-hmm. they tried that. And it didn't help me at all. And plus, you know, it had, it had now been um, eight years or so. And so the likelihood of it working was much less, he said. Mm-hmm. And since then, um, I do have a brother who's a physician, and he looks for, for, uh, he does follow some of the alopecia sites and and follows a dermatology on alopecia mm-hmm. and they're just he said that the, you know there just isn't anything quite yet that he would recommend that I do or take right so I kind of rely on him mm-hmm. I should do it myself too but right but you know what that's the thing life gets busy like life continues whether you're going through something catastrophic or not right and and like you said you had young children and you like, especially as mothers, we, we say, okay, I got to put this aside so that I can do this other job. Right. It's the, we have so much on our plate that I find with a lot of people, that's just what happens. You know, you're like, I can't, I know for me, like my husband did a lot of research and thankfully he did because I was, I, I wasn't mentally able to cope with everything plus do research. You know, I just was in a, a not in a good state to do that at all. And, and thankfully I had him, but did you, I think you, I think I remember you telling me, did your dad have alopecia or so? He had it, right? He did. When he was very young, he was probably about eight or nine years old. And uh, his father took him to a physician. And the physician poured acid on his head, which is in some ways, I think um, that is one of the treatments. Yeah, I think (laughs) I've heard that. uh, Probably as caustic as what my father had. um, But my father's hair grew back and he never did have alopecia again until he was in his seventies and he was undergoing other treatments that mm. he triggered his immune system. Right. And, uh, caused wow. his hair to fall out again. Although he was fortunate to get his hair back again. Yeah. I <laughs> guess maybe there's something to be said for acid on the scalp. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't hear about them doing it anymore. So there must've been reasons why yeah. they stopped, but it seems, it seems bar- almost barbaric. It does like, it just like when well, you hear acid and on the scalp of a child, it sounds yeah, well, my, my grandfather almost slugged the, the, uh, <laughs> the doctor according yeah. to my father's rendition of this. Oh, goodness. I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, that's, uh, it's, it boggles my mind too, because I always think like knowing what we know these days. Um, and I know like in the eighties and stuff, like earlier, there wasn't really, I, I was born in 83 and my mom, had no clue what was going on. Right. And, and it was like, you'd take your kids to the doctors and it was almost just like, Oh, they have lactose intolerance or, Oh, you know, it's this and that, but like 
always the, the typical things. Right. So, um, I'm even surprised back then, like your father got the, the acid thing. I'm surprised they didn't say, no, go home. Like he's fine. It's just, it'll grow, you know, kind of thing. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. That and that would have been in the later 1930s. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I don't know yeah. what that physician. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I yeah, do to do that, but there must've been in some book somewhere. Yeah. That is insane. So but speaking of, um, you, you mentioned uh, lactose intolerance or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, I do wonder what alternative things may be trigger. And mm-hmm. I, I know that it is genetic. And I know that I have many more gene markers that are turned on because I have universalis. And so I have at least probably, I think it's around six, seven, eight gene markers turned on to have universalis. And, but what turns them on, right? Right. Is it, is it some of our intolerances? Is it, uh, you know, I do also have eczema mm-hmm. and when my eczema flares, you know, I wonder if that's related. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have other skin allergies. I have other allergies to grasses and, mm-hmm. uh, and other things like that. And so you just have to, you always wonder, and I know there isn't quite that much research out there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have, I do, I have the eczema as well. And I've gone my whole life, basically, you know, here's cream, here's cream, here's cream, you know, and I'm just like, when is this going to end? <laughs> like, I don't want to use cream anymore. I just want to like get to the the issue. Right. And even though I'm on medications now that are supposedly supposed to maybe help, um, they haven't really helped uh, with 100% of the eczema. I try to remember back because this is the struggle. I try to remember back to the worst of it, you know, and, and try to be like, okay, is this better than that? It might be only slightly better. But if it's even a little bit better, maybe upping the meds, the medications would help, you know? And I, I just always wonder because I know a lot of people I talk to, they, they haven't, like, they not given up, but they're just like, you know what? The doctors just are like, I don't know. And um, it's my life, you know, that sort of thing. But have you actually had like genetic testing or anything like that? I haven't had genetic testing. Okay. Cause I was able to figure out through genetic testing that I have a defect, um, a defective LRBA4 gene. And when I went to an immunodeficiency conference, like six years ago now, um, there was a immunologist, immunologist there. Cause I was the only person there without hair. So I went there thinking that there'd be other people without hair. I was like, well, this is an autoimmune, an autoimmune thing. Like maybe a lot of other people, have, but I was like the only one. And people were like, why? Like they found it strange. I didn't have hair the other like people that have autoimmune disorders. So I was kind of feeling strange, even in an environment that was supposed to be uh, familiar, right? I was like, oh, I thought I was going to come here and I was going to feel more involved, but now I, I still feel like the odd man out because I have this thing that even none of them have. But when this immunologist got up to talk, he specifically mentioned alopecia. Oh, really? Yeah. So then I was like, oh, and everybody kind of looked at me, <laughs> but I was like, see, see, like I'm, I'm, there's, there's a reason. So after we went and talked to him and he was the one who got into like, get your gene, get genetic testing. There's something called an LA, LRBA4 gene. And I mean, he basically, I knew the answer of six years ago, you know, but then I came back to Canada and um, it was kind of like jumping through hoops to get the genetic testing yeah. done. And it's a long waiting list for genetic testing. So I always say anybody that is even interested, get on that list. Like, even if you're questioning it, get on the list anyway, you know, just to get an appointment. And if you decide in the long run, you don't want to do it, but I think that, I think everybody should get it. So, um, so if you do get it, mm-hmm. is there something that can be done? 
Yeah. So they were able to say, okay, now we know that this genetic defect is what's causing this, this, and this. And so now we can give you medications instead of throwing random medication at you. We know now what to target, right? So they know more specifically now, like this medication usually helps with this. And so the geneticist especially can say, I know of these other patients that have the same thing and they're on A, B, and C, and you should be on A, B, and C as well. Cause it's actually helping them. So, um, I was like, ex- like every symptom I have was like exactly a symptom of having this defective gene. It was like wow. textbook, like almost. So it was really crazy. And um, what were some of those? Um, so stomach issues. Um, so I was diagnosed as a celiac, uh, for 10 years. Um, even though I kept telling them, I wasn't getting better. And they kept just telling me that I was doing it wrong <laughs> as if they know. Um, so I knew, I knew though, I knew it wasn't that, um, the, the eczema, the hair loss. Um, and yeah, I think it was all those things, uh, like low, like I was, I was really, uh, skinny as a child too. I was kind of like, um, had growth problems as a child. Uh, that was, that was a sign of it as well. There was just like, and I was like, yep, Yep. 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 That's me. You know, like, I don't think everybody like things too. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And not, ev- not everybody. Well, I thought has, it was just because I didn't eat much. Yeah. And not everybody has every single symptom. That's another thing to remember. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes doctors can zone in on like, well, you don't have all seven symptoms, so you can't possibly have this, but that's not the case. We see it in these, um, these like alopecia groups and, and other groups that I'm in you see it all the time. People say, well, I only had one of the symptoms, but I was eventually diagnosed with this. Well, I had all seven symptoms and I was, you know, it's, it's not cut, you know, black and white for everybody. This is going to be different all around. You know, you may not have all the symptoms. You may have all the symptoms. The issue is that more people need to get tested so that the scientists have more to work with. Right. So the more people that get the genetic testing done and are, cause she said it's very rare. So I'm in like a really small group of people, but she says uh, that's only based on the statistics because not enough people got tested, right? Yeah. If more people got tested, she's positive. They'd find more people with this, with right. this defect. And then they could do more studying on it because the government's not going to give them money to study something that's, you know, like three people have. Right. So it's, it's important. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, what harm can it do? You know, I mean, just get it done. I mean, the worst case scenario really is they tell you everything's fine. I, that sounds bad saying worst case scenario, but for me, it was like, they, if they told me everything was fine, that mean. was the end of my road. You know, like I was like, I just need an answer. Like I need an answer. So for me, it was like, yeah. I want to know, like, even if it's bad news, like I want to know. So I think you should get that. Done. <laughs> and I do, I, I, I do want to get that done. And I, I find that, uh, you know, people say, Oh, you must've lost it due to stress. You must've oh. something must've happened in your life or mm-hmm. thinking, you know, that might account for a little bit of it sometimes, but it can't mm-hmm. be accounting for all of these people who are losing their hair. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, uh, maybe something triggers it, but other people don't get it when they get stressed and other it's, people exactly. can be a lot more stressed than I am. So how come they're not? Mm-hmm. And when you go to the doctor and they're like, well, are you stressed? And you're like, well, I'm bald and covered in rash. So yeah, I'm stressed. <laughs> it's the after effect. Yeah. It's like, of course I'm stressed. Yeah. I was just like, but I don't think I, like you said, it, maybe it's a little percentage of why it's flared, but I don't, but it's not, I, for me, I don't think it's the cause, the root cause. Right. So yeah, no. it's, um, it's, uh, strange (laughs) it is and and it's difficult to live with there's no doubt and um I think too it's um for me anyway uh you know currently I'm wearing a wig 
because mm-hmm. it's the first time I've me- I'm meeting you. Yeah. And that's the way I usually do it. Mm-hmm. Because if I meet someone for the first time, not wearing a wig, they will look at me and treat me differently. Right. And uh, I just prefer to be treated um, as, I guess, what we quote unquote call normal. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not our normal. We yeah. have or I, I have a different normal now. Mm. I know. But, yeah. I remember like, um, little kids, especially staring, you know, because they don't know, you know, any better. But, um, I remember parents being like, don't, like, you know, like, like rep, like getting them in trouble for like staring at me and stuff. And I think to one parent, I said, you know what, just if your daughter is just like, Hey, why don't, why don't you have hair? You know? And then I can maybe educate her a little bit on it. And, um, next time she sees someone without hair, it'll be a non-issue. Right. But I know what you mean. It's, when you meet someone for the first time, you don't want them to be like, oh, this person's bald. Like, you know, and, and like, I know exactly what you mean. She's sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other, all, you don't know what they're thinking. And so mm-hmm. um, I prefer to just meet people on, on par, I guess. Yeah. And then, so, so I always wore wigs mm-hmm. for the longest time because I did teach children actually. And, uh, and I was working in business. So I, I, especially in business, I find, you know, it's so conservative that, you really do need to wear a wig, but that's maybe things have changed. It was very conservative when I was um, in business in the 80s and 90s. And so it's it's different now. I think people are more open-minded, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. And um, But but every time I, whenever I was with children, that was never an issue. Kids have, have never. Really? Uh, no, they, they may ask and I'm just straightforward with them, mm-hmm. but they never um look at me differently in some ways you know they treat me just as I am for who I am right it's it's always been adults actually uh who have looked at me differently or you know I've had people who have been concerned that maybe I have cancer and they want to talk to me about someone they know who has cancer Mm -hmm. that's happened to me quite often yeah I got Uh, that too even be sitting in a Tim Hortons and someone comes and sits down and starts to talk to me about my uh about having lost hair due to cancer mm-hmm. and uh, or walking in Ikea and a man approaches me. I, I, it's almost that they seem that they can just come up and talk to me. Yeah. I had that in a, I had that in a pizza shop and I felt really bad because the guy um, I guess his daughter that was around my age was going through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. So I think he just was like, Oh God, someone I can talk to someone that I can relate, you know? And then when I had to be like, I, I don't know that. Like I'm, I actually just have like alopecia, you know, he was like, Oh, uh," you know, and then it was an awkward thing. So I know what you mean. It's like, yeah. And I always apologize. I I say, well, I'm sorry. I don't have cancer. I I have Mm -hmm. a condition called alopecia. And, and I always feel so badly that um, I feel like an imposter (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in some ways, but yeah, it makes you feel like you've done something wrong. Almost. You're like, Oh no. You know, I know for me, um, like mentally, like it's hard to explain, but how do you think like alopecia affected your, your mental health, I guess, in terms of just like living as quote unquote, like we said, normal as possible. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I didn't get it until I was about 23. And prior to that, I, I had quite a good sense of self. I had been competing at a high level in sports and traveling with a team. And um, then I went to university and life was great, you know, for me. 
And then uh, I started losing my hair. I remember I was on vacation with my sister going down the coast of California. I went into the bathroom one morning and uh, hair was just coming out in my, was coming out during my shower into my hands and clogging the drain. And I was in disbelief really Mm -hmm. at that time. And um, I came out of the shower and told my sister and then we were meeting up with my parents and I told my parents and my dad said, oh, you probably are getting alopecia like I had. And, um, you know, at that time still, I, I hadn't lost that much hair yet. It wasn't really noticeable. I had a lot of hair, so it didn't matter. And um, finished the finished the holiday, had fun, went home. And then that fall during university, it just started falling out. And I became more and more reclusive. Um, it was a very dark, I just remember it being a very dark time in my life. I probably mm-hmm. blocked quite a bit. I'd stay in my room. I like to read. I went to afternoon matinee movies where I could hide out in a theater mm-hmm. and just wear a hat and nobody knew me. And um, for so for probably a good six months or so, I kind of hid out. And then I, I wanted to get to living again. And I went skiing because you could wear a hat and you could yeah. hide out <laughs> skiing because mm-hmm. that was my sport too. I used to ski race. And so I could still ski race with, um, you know, a hat and nobody really knew, or at least it didn't seem like they really noticed and you were in goggles mm-hmm. so and could see your eyes. And, but I do remember I fell on one of my ski runs and it was in a race and I, I hit off my, my hat flew off and this, what they call gatekeepers, they look after the gates and ski racing. And he, this man came over to put the gate back in into the course and he looked at me and I looked at him and I grabbed my hat as fast as I could and I put it on my head mm-hmm. and I just it was just I still remember it as being just you know I was horrified yeah it's my hat and that he saw me that way and, and I actually I had I had a guy rip my hat off my head once to the same kind of situation like the terror that goes through you yeah you know it's like sorry go ahead I just wanted to say I I, I definitely understand what you mean by that it's like no and it's happened, happened to me a few times I remember even being in waves in in uh in the ocean once and my um my cap came off and and there I was and I'm you know trying to find it quickly and put it back on and there were other people around I didn't really know and somebody I did know but only slightly and so mm-hmm. that was just embarrassing and uh playing sports like soccer I fell down once in my my bandana tore off my head and I tried to quickly put it back on. And, you know, there's just these, I don't know, I'm not comfortable being without a head covering. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of the way people look at me when I don't have it on or it's just myself. I, I just feel more comfortable having mm-hmm. something on my head. Yeah. And I always have. And I know some people are really brave and able to be um, without a head covering, but I, I'm not there. I don't know if I'll ever get there because I think that for 26 years now, it's almost 26 years, I have been um, in denial for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and pretending it's not really happening because I don't look in the mirror that much. Mm-hmm. I don't. When I go to the mirror, I quickly do makeup or whatever I'm doing in the mirror and then I just don't look at myself in the mirror as much anymore and I don't like photographs Mm -hmm. it's 
think I know I I remember like I was wearing a lot of hats too like I went through that phase and I remember getting so depressed once because I we were going I wanted to dress up you know I wanted to get really dressed up and I just was like I can't I can't get dressed up I can't get dressed up because I have to wear a toque or a baseball cap or like you know and I was like I just can't like and I was so frustrated and angry it just made me so mad and I like you said I was I was at the stage too where I couldn't do that I couldn't not cover it up and I I even to this day so when I was um completely bald I would walk around my house but I still wore like little caps if I was home my my daughter and my husband saw me but not many people did and I think we went on a trip for my sister-in-law's uh bachelorette par- uh, bachelorette and it was the first time my mom and my sister saw me without wearing anything I think I had taken it off for a quick second to like uh do something and they both were it was shock. I think it was shocking for them, you know, and I um, kind of realized quickly, like, oh, like, I don't think they've ever seen this before, you know, and kind of like put the little cap on and I could tell they were like devastated, you know, and I just was like, oh, like, I don't want to make them devastated, you know, but I also was, it got me just thinking about how, like, if I didn't start making it more normal, you know, it, it was just, it was just going to be this devastating thing every time someone did see me without a head, like, you know, without a head covering. But for the most part within my household, my, my husband and my daughter, they would see me off and on. But I know what you mean. At that point, I just was like frustrated and angry. I couldn't wear the clothes I wanted to wear, the outfits I wanted to wear, because I would have to like figure out which hat, you know, would go with it. And it was so frustrating. I was like, I don't want to wear a hat. I don't want to wear a hat today. You know, I think that is one of the hardest parts is trying to look the same as you did before or to to dress up Mm -hmm. um you know uh, dressing up for me is very difficult too I I find like you know I've got to try to find the right wig or I I love wearing scarves just because they're more comfortable for me and Mm -hmm. I find it's itchy and they could fly off which same with me yeah I preferred (laughs) scarves too yeah I preferred scarves too it was uh yeah I actually had a really awful first experience with wigs I don't know it was just like I got a wig and then I just never wore it I was like devastated by it and I just for some reason preferred to wear a scarf like you said because yeah they're not when people say just wear a wig oh you can just wear a wig that nothing angers me more (laughs) because I'm just like oh have you just worn a wig (laughs) that is so true and I I find because it's because they're not accepting me as who I am in a scarf or in Mm -hmm. a wig you know, I'm not normal or, yeah. uh, and so people say, Oh, you look so good in a wig and trying to get me to wear them more. I think that's part of the reason they say that to me. Not, you know, I'm sure that I do look better in a wig, but uh, I also think there's a second hand. It's kind of a secondhand comment in the sense or however you say it is that it's, they want me to wear a wig more mm-hmm. because I'll fit in more with society. And I, I think that that, I think I have not been invited some places sometimes because I'm not quite normal. Right. I, I hate to say that, but I think it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For sure. I know. I you've experienced that, but. Uh, you know what? I, yeah. I tend to wear scarves more mm-hmm. and little beanie caps. And, uh, you know, it doesn't fit into every soiree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know my brother's wedding, it was like fastly approaching and I was really stressed out um, because at the time too, I had um, I had had a really bad uh, like eczema. I don't know. We, we To this day, we still don't know what it was, but I had 
such bad rash from like head to toe that it caused hyperpigmentation. And I, my skin looked like a cheetah from head to toe, full body. And the dress that my sister-in-law had picked out had a, a cutout opening on the back. And that was one of the worst spots. I was like oh, spotted. Yeah. My skin was all spotted, like brown. And um, I was like, okay, like I can come to terms with the spots, you know, but I'm going to be bald with no eyebrows, no eyelashes and spots. You know, I was like, oh, uh, like, and even though, yeah, I was sorry. It's just one more thing to add. Yeah, to. yeah. And I think that was the only time that was the first time I wore the wig and actually felt good. Um, and I don't know if it's because someone styled it for me. Um, and then I had had my makeup done because it was the wedding. So when I look back at those pictures, um, it's crazy to me because I know that they even though I told them like it was a little hard, I don't think anybody knew, you know, how much turmoil that was for me, you know, like how really, really hard that was. And I, I like, I'm so glad I did it, you know, but, uh, cause it got me adjusted to the wigs. And finally I was able to just be like, listen, I'm bald. I wear wigs, like whatever, or a head scarf or whatever. But now I'm, I'm a little more into the wigs. I have a few. Um, but the thing is, it's, they're expensive, right? If you want a good one, you know, and, um, some people are like, well, just get, get government, like to get, like, get, um, the government to help you. I'm like, Do you know how hard that is? Yeah it's like I don't yeah yeah because they they're like you're not going to die from it so exactly yeah it's a life-threatening disease yeah they discount it yeah yeah but but in some ways I don't know I don't I I don't know uh the severity of the mental health issues that surround alopecia I don't know if you know there have been people who because I know that I I'm pretty sure I live with a low-grade depression Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. I know that uh, before I meet anyone new or I go anywhere new, I know that I second think, you know, what am I going to wear? How am I going to wear it? Am I going to wear a wig? Am I not? I usually don't. And then when people see me the second time and I'm wearing a scarf, they don't recognize me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. this constant question. And I yeah. all ask my husband, should I be wearing a wig? And of course, to a wedding, I will. Mm. Um, but, but why, but, but, you know, I don't, I shouldn't necessarily have to, but mm-hmm. I, I want to, too, though, because it's really hard to coordinate a scarf with an elegant dress. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's a struggle. <laughs> that's a struggle. Try getting a scarf or a headband or something, you know, like to look good with a certain type of outfit. It's, it's such a, like, it's such a struggle. I, mm-hmm. I have times, even when I look back now at pictures, um, like where I remember going somewhere around people and I was like, really, like really feeling a little bit better about myself and like a scarf. But I look at the picture now and I think, Oh, because like I was having to draw my eyebrows on at the time and wasn't really an expert at it yet. (laughs) So it looked not the greatest when I look back now. And, but I remember in that moment I felt better, like I was doing it. So I felt a little better, but now I think, Oh God, what were people thinking? Like, were they like, Oh my God, her eyebrows are like so drawn on, you know, but what am I supposed to do? You know, I mean, what am oh, I supposed that, to do? That happened to me once where I think I overdrew the eyebrows and um, people were looking at me funny and I didn't realize it. And it's tough. I mean, yeah. it's, you're always questioning how do you look? And I don't wear, I'm not wearing uh, fake eyelashes. I draw on eyeliner and I did have, I've had tattooed eyeliner and tattooed eyebrows, but I'm always looking for someone who's very good at it because, you know, if they mess it up, then you're stuck with it. Yeah, exactly. 
I know that's the thing. And I've been like, they, I know there's the microblading and stuff too, but I'm worried about that because I have an autoimmune disorder. I'm just scared. Like, are they going to, is there going to be bacteria that gets under my skin or something that I'm going to get like meningitis? Yeah. I, I always, am like panicking about things, you know, cause I know what's out there and I, I'm just so worried about it, but yeah, it's yeah. like, people don't realize like, it's not just you know, you got to get up every morning and look at yourself. You don't recognize yourself. Then you got to draw your eyebrows on and you like try to do them right. And it doesn't work. Or, you know, like that can set the tone for like your, your entire day. And when you, when you already don't recognize yourself, it's, it's so crazy. And people don't realize what having no eyebrows and lashes make you look like, like it's, it's a blank slate. mm -hmm. Which mm. is great for someone who loves to wear a lot of makeup, but I was a really a person who liked to just be really natural and not wear very much makeup, and um, and then that kind of went out the door because without drawing something on, <laughs> you can't mm. really see even see my eyes or mm -hmm. see. Anything. Have you ever have you ever done the eyebrow wigs? Uh, no, but I've done the tattoos, the tattoos. I, yeah. I did the, the eyebrow wigs saved me actually. Cause my husband found them and they're oh. like the human hair, right? They're human hair and you glue them on. And yeah. I was skeptical at first. Cause I thought, how is this going to work? But honestly, it was like, I could just wake up and stick them on. And sometimes I'd sleep in them. They'd stay on for like a few nights. And I was like, this yeah. is That's magical. Like the tattoos too. They stay on too. And, uh, mm. they're, they're actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Like a you good know? option for anyone who's like losing, you know, or having yeah. to overdraw them or Absolutely. whatever. Do you, do you wear false eyelashes or do you, have you not lost your eyelashes? I, I, st I lost my eyelashes and then I had to figure out a way to attach false eyelashes so that they, because what people don't realize is that you need real lashes for the false eyelashes to stay on or else they just droop. Right. <laughs> so I had to figure out how to get the false ones yeah. to stay. So I would, I would over crimp them. I'd use an eyelash crimper. And I'd really crimp them like just so they were like absolutely crimped. And then I would put the eyelash glue on my lid and on the lash. So it almost create like a double, yeah. a double adhesion. And then that worked, that started working. So that gave me a little bit of ease, you know, um, when it came to that, but now thankfully, like they're not, um, they're lighter than they used to be. Um, not as full as they used to be, but I'm just happy that they're here, <laughs> you know, I'm, and I don't know how much longer they'll be here, but. Yeah, that was the saddest thing for me because I, the first time around, I did lose my eyebrows or most of them anyway. And then, but I'd kept my eyelashes, which was wonderful because that the eyelashes really do accentuate your eyes mm -hmm. and they keep sweat and dirt. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm outside, I always have to be wearing glasses because I get particles of dust and everything in my eye. And I used yeah. to run. So that was, that was hard, mm -hmm. but um I, I do really miss my eyelashes. They, mm -hmm. they perform I'm, a function and they yeah. look so much better. They do. And I, I'm, I'm the, the eyebrows devastate me. They do. I think I'm more devastated about the eyebrows than even the hair on my head, which sounds insane, but it's just because the face, there's just something about your, to yeah. me, the eyebrows that, you know, frame your face and everything. And when I lost them, it was like, I was so like, that was one of the yeah. more devastating things for me. I was it, like, I can't my definition. Definitely. Right. Mm -hmm. And even when you're doing eye makeup, you know, you normally put like a lighter close, uh, contrasting shadow by your eyebrows. And if you don't, yeah. have them, exactly. I know. It's like, I just look, uh, I, I, I remember it, like my husband, 
I said to him, I look like an alien. Like I, I look like an alien. And he was like, it's a good thing. I have a thing for aliens then, you know, he was trying to be positive about it. And I was like, ha ha ha. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to look like an alien. I call myself an alien and my husband, I don't know if he coined the phrase first, me being an alien, but then he just said, you know, you're just more highly evolved than others because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we don't really need hair. Yeah. Well, and see, I, I just want I remember you saying something because I remember you saying before, like, um, that people were really brave for, um, like not wearing a wig or not wearing a scarf or, you know, but mm-hmm. I was the last woman I talked to as well. Like she was in the same boat. Like she felt like she always had to wear something still to this day. And, um, I said to her, which I, I'm going to say to you as well. Like, I actually think that that's brave because I know the like immense, like like pressure, mental strain, um, you know, like the weight of that. And to carry that every single day for 20, you know, what you said, I think she said 26 years. To me, that's brave because I know the feeling of what that feels like and to live that every day, um, even though it, it can change and fluctuate, you know, but I think that that's a very, that's a brave thing. And that that's something that I, think this podcast is good for because people can see someone or hear someone like you who says, you know, I'm still not really accepting of this and I'm living this day in and day out, but that that's a brave thing. I don't know if it's know. Brave <laughs> <or> just <laughs> forced upon me. I, don't know. I think if people could, if people could, I think if someone could take what you feel and carry it on their shoulders for a day. I think they would agree that it's bravery, 100%. I, I honestly do. And I know that it's hard for people to get because they, if they haven't experienced it, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's very much something we keep inside as well, right? And, and the longer you carry it, um, it becomes just normal. Um, so over time, I think, like what happened with me at one point was I was still struggling, but everything became normal around me. Like, so the way people saw it. um, Yeah. So then it was very crippling kind of because I was like in the inside kind of, uh, you know, and everybody was like, what? Like, you know, like, just like, it's another day. Like, you know, it's, it's, so that can be, um, that can be really hard. Very, very hard. Well, it's true. Unless they've walked in our shoes, they don't really Mm -hmm. know. Even our families who live with us. My husband said this too, is that, you know, he, he, he knows what I go through to a certain degree, but he doesn't mm-hmm. fully know. Uh, I think only we, whoever has had alopecia, truly know what it's like because mm-hmm. it is it is life altering, and um, the way you look at yourself, the way others see you, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it makes us question mm-hmm. society norms more. Actually, societal norms. Yeah, I, I really questioned that when I first lost my hair being only 23, how uh, hair is a very big part of how you're looked at in society. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that is noticed when you're um, meeting someone for the first time, Mm -hmm. they look at your face, but they they look at your hair, they look at the whole package. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hate to say that we're judged by uh, the cover of the book, but we are. Mm -hmm. First two minutes, often we are judged by the way we look. Mm -hmm. And, and that's uh, frustrating. I know. Like I, I used to think like, 
stop looking at me like a victim. You know, like I just, it made me so upset because I was like, I didn't get a choice about how I was, how I was met at the at first. Right. It was just like, I was immediately seen as this like poor, helpless thing, kind of, kind of attitude or look. And that always upset me too. It was like, I, because like you said, people assume because you lost your hair that you are devastated. Right. So they're going to approach you with a more, Oh, you know, poor you, you know, um, and that's hard because that's out of our control, right? We can't control how other people approach us. And that's sad. Yeah. And I think, especially when you first lose it, you just want to be treated normally. Mm-hmm. What is normal again? I don't right. know. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. But you do know you're being treated differently. And so that, that is, that's difficult. And, oh, for uh, sure. And that's, I think probably the, I don't want to say anxiety, but maybe I get nervous when I meet people for the first time because I don't know how they're going to look at me and mm-hmm. what, what they're going to think, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I forget to tell them that I have alopecia sometimes, especially when I go even for medical appointments and the nurses assume I have cancer and uh, I have to tell them I have alopecia, but a lot of them don't know what it is. So then you have to go into it and explain it. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, that's like me with the autoimmune disorder as well. They're like, well, now what is this? And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Here's the, yeah. the 10 year history explanation and like as short of time as I can say it. Cause it's like constantly explaining it to everybody. That's so true. Or just people, <laughs> p- people having a billion questions too, right? Like asking, um, your whole history cause they're interested, but it's, yeah, I, that is, that can get frustrating too, having to relay, you know, over and over again, like, well, it started with this and I went to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with them asking the history. I don't know why I, I think it's, it's, it's better than them assuming incorrectly what it may be i'd rather they know what truly is and uh but when they assume that uh i have um i'm immunocompromised that's happened to me when i've gone to get travel uh in vaccinations they assume mm-hmm. the nurse who did the travel vaccines wouldn't give them to me because she thought i was immunocompromised and so then i had to make more appointments with my doctor and la 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 oh my <laughs> goodness know? yeah <laughs> wow. Yeah. Things taken out. It's like, you already lose so much control as it is, you know? And, and I, I feel like I'm, I've developed this need to have control over everything, which I, I kind of noticed lately. I'm like, Oh, why am I like this? You know? And then I'm like, maybe it's cause I literally lost control of my entire body, you know, like, and I now need to have control and all else because I can't, you know, I need control somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, it's the, it's again, it's like stems from having it right. This, this like, obsessive need to be in control of everything else because of, of going through that. And I remember thinking to myself, like when I was bald, um, for those two and a half years, I think it was. And I remember thinking, well, I've done the worst I've been bald. So if it grows back and falls out again, like I'm more than equipped to handle it, but then it grew back. And I found myself just being like, Oh God, don't, don't fall out again. Don't fall out again. You know? And then, and then questioning, like, can I do it again? Like, can I handle this again? It's like almost like PTSD. Like, what do I do when, or if this happens again, how do I cope with this again, back to that, you know, cycle. And, and that can be very um, lonely as well. Those. You know, I completely understand and hear what you're saying, because I remember the time between uh, when I had alopecia areata and my hair came back. So I had full hair except for my eyebrows, which was easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started dating somebody new and we got quite serious and I kept questioning whether he would accept me if I truly lost all my hair again. And I didn't think he would. Mm-hmm. I just didn't 
because he was uh, more of a public image person and um, very, very nice person. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't a hundred percent sure that, he, that he would treat me or that he would accept me and see me in the same light as when we met with my full head of hair. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I broke off that relationship and I think that, I think it definitely affects relationships. It's uh, because you question yourself, you question them mm-hmm. or that person. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I, it's yeah, it's, it's because you, I, I agree 100% because when I was going through it too, I thought my husband would say, I still think you're beautiful. And in my head, I think there's, there's no way. You know, like I, I would be like, I believe you, but I don't believe you. Right. I would just be like, I believe that you love me now and you're married to me. So now you're stuck here. <laughs> I had those moments. I'm like, now this guy. And I think I said to him once, like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is what you're stuck with now because you're a really good person and you would never leave me. And you're stuck with me now. Like, this is what your your spouse looks like. And he would always be like, oh, my God, no, like, that's not how I feel. But when you're in the heart of it, it's just so hard to to understand. And I've even reflected sometimes on, you know, is that what I would do? Like, why am I thinking that? Like, am I thinking that because if my spouse lost all their hair and stuff, would I, would I be like, I can't, I can't deal with this. You know, it's a strange thing because it's like, you know, you wouldn't, but then it's like, if you know, you wouldn't, how is it hard to believe that your spouse wouldn't, but it's such a, it's such a crazy mental um, back and forth. It's just, it really is. I know because even when I see somebody who maybe had hair and then went bald, a man or a woman, whatever, I've never mm-hmm. seen a woman fully bald, but that had hair, full hair before. So it's usually, it's been a man mm-hmm. and, and it's, it surprises me. And I'm thinking, why am I so Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know this can happen. Yeah. It's the, I know I it's the strangest thing. I know. Cause I, I, I always do that now. I think like, why am I thinking this way? You know, like I always have to like question myself now. Like, why are you thinking this way? Like, I, I, like if, if you don't believe like why, you know, yeah, it's, the, ugh, it's so weird. It's, it's so mentally um, draining. Um, and that itself can just be the worst, one of the worst parts. Um, That's for sure. And I just, I, I think, I think I live in a lot of denial because I don't, <laughs> don't mm-hmm. look at myself mirror every day and go oh I have alopecia because you're not looking at yourself all day everybody else is looking at you and so then they're really the mirror your mirror mm-hmm. of things of you mm-hmm. and, um, but I mean we have to deal with that and accept it and mm-hmm. we are and, who we are and we I think we talked about too before like how it's like grieving right because yeah. you're losing um, like you said society puts a such a big like mark on on having hair and what it does for like femininity especially and then you lose it and um it's like you you grieve because you lost a part of you yeah and And I I think that I go through the stages of grief you know I'll I'll go through them and and I'll come out the other side acceptance but then I'll go back into them again I think Mm -hmm. it's a constant cycle of the grieving process in some Mm -hmm. ways because there are times when I accept it there are times when I very much do not and uh, mm-hmm. I want to fight it I mean I think that's just human nature though oh yeah the, yeah exactly it's like ups and downs and all arounds yeah. <laughs> with anything you were you were accepted or not accepted at some point too and mm-hmm. you know that's just what it is right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now we're kind of reaching at the time here but I just wanted to ask you because I always ask everybody try to f- finish on a, a positive note is there something like 
positive in your experience that you can tell others that would maybe encourage them or help them? Like if they're maybe at the start of this, you know, maybe they've just found that one little patch, you know, and they're just about to go through this experience or they know somebody who is, do you have anything that you think would be a kind of a, for the beginning maybe a positive. experience? Well, I would probably, you, you find out very quickly who your true friends are. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I, um, I had a couple of friends who really helped me out in the first um, few months of losing my hair and they were beside me and helped me. We went to wig shops, but like I said, in the eighties, there wasn't that much, but mm-hmm. um, at least they accompanied me. They, you know, I, I have a good friend who, you know, we tried on wigs and made it kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's what I can say. And I, I think it's made me in some ways a more empathetic person or, uh, you know, to see people who have struggles. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I think that I'm a better person for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, when they struggle with disabilities or whatever it may be, that, you know, it's not their fault. And, yeah. and you see that, see people in a different light. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think that we, anyone that's going through something similar or long-term illness or something, I definitely think like we just, something clicks, you know, and, and we are definitely more like have more empathy and we um, are almost on this other level of like awareness that most people aren't at because they haven't. And it's not like, I don't wish that upon people. I don't wish them to know, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's helped me. Yeah. Just be more empathetic towards people, um, more understanding for especially mental health issues, you know, and um, cause there's even things like I think about, like when I was a kid growing up with certain family members and, you know, I look back now and I think, wow, like now that I'm an adult, I can look back and see how they struggled, you know, in silence, like they didn't say anything. And it just makes me feel differently about them, even like uh, knowing what I know now as an adult. So, yeah, I think it's just and like you said, like having the friends stick by you, you know, find those those core people that are going to kind of help you and, and you know, lift you up or encourage you and um and you'll, and you'll get there eventually, whatever that is for you. <laughs> but anyway, right. yeah. It's a little different. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so we went, we did about an hour, I think, which is fantastic. And I just thank you so much for doing this today. And um, I think this episode and all the episodes, they really help people know because sometimes just going to the doctor and getting the doctor's explanation doesn't always help, right? It's going right to the source, someone who's actually experienced it. So I appreciate your openness and your honesty and thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for bringing this to other people's attention. I think it's a great podcast you're doing. Oh, thank you. Well, have a great day, Leslie. You too.